Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Uh, welcome to the American Liberties. Tonight's call. Um, it is Wednesday. The, I'm starting a couple minutes early, but that's okay because it's recorded. It's Wednesday, the 22nd. 822 of 2018. And um, tonight, Dave is not going to be on the call. He, uh, he doesn't feel well. I think the uh, nausea comes from um, um, nausea comes from the, the court system. Uh, today, well, excuse me, this week, been a very active week, I mean, politically and everything else. But, uh, but you know, as you saw in the email, the Commonwealth of Kentucky uh, versus Travis West in Franklin Circuit Court, the indictment number. Travis West, who is a Christian, he put his, you know, he put a lot of faith in uh, in the uh, God and himself, and that he felt like he was uh, doing the right thing, which he was, as far as I'm concerned. He did what I would do, uh, except. You know, he had previously, before he met Dave Merlin, he did file a lot of um, paperwork that um, uh, I want to see if that would show. He filed a lot of paperwork that um, that wasn't, you know, it didn't help him. In other words, you know, it's a lot of this, uh, uh, you know, what Dave calls a patriot junk. But, I mean, it may have legitimacy. I don't know. In fact, I don't know too much of anything anymore, except that they do run from having to answer uh, relative questions. And uh, the, uh, like Section 83, I can only be named in the statutes and not regulations. Although you could be named in the regulations if the statute uh, names you. You know, naming the, like for instance, a citizen of the United States. And that covers a lot of ground there. Um, I want to I want to ask everybody real quick. Can everybody hear me? If if those who are not on the phone, 
Can you type in the chat, yes, you can hear me? Can you hear me? Sound like I'm ready to sing that song by... Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Okay, great. Thank you, TD. Good to see you. Uh, I'm just going to announce again, Dave will not be on the call tonight. He w- so this is going to this is not going to last an hour. I can't talk as long as he he does. But I I do want to talk about a Kentuckian that oh uh, that um, got um, convicted. And I got somebody trying to call me. I just have to wait till after the call. Um, the government had no charging statute. In other words, they didn't say you know what tax. He owed, you know, what created the liability? It was just Wilford failed to file. Well, okay. The government witness admits the the IRS. They had the, you know, and a, 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 I guess your accountant or whatever on the witness stand, and and like in in previous different court cases, they get up there. And and Travis did ask him, you know, how does Section 83 apply in your determination my paycheck was gross income? Something similar to that question. And the witness says, I'm not familiar with Section 83. That right there has got to be, you know, uh, he probably didn't handle it right. He probably... Uh, should have just, you know, objected to the witness being a credible witness, and and to be deleted from the uh, from testifying. But that probably, I'm sure that didn't happen. The court-appointed attorney that Travis had, she actually admit to the court that she's not qualified. She doesn't know anything about taxes. And, and, you know, because Travis was asking her uh, a bunch of questions and hammering her about, uh, you know, about uh, Section 83 and, 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 the, uh, and the statutes. And she just, she said, look, I'm overwhelmed. I got X amount of court cases. I'm just one person. I can't handle this. I'm not qualified. And and she, I believe she got she removed herself as well as Travis fired her. Then the court, being overwhelmed, I guess would be the word, with Travis's um, attitude, says, "Well, you know, you make enough money, you go out and hire an attorney." Well, Travis sent letters out to about 40 attorneys and not one would take the case not one 
because he put the he put the cards on the table. You know, this is the way I want to argue it. Are you willing to argue it? And that one attorney came came up, and especially not one he could afford. Whether any came up or not, they even talked about uh, money. I don't know. I'm not going to represent that something I don't know. But this is what I do know. He didn't have an attorney. So he goes to court without an attorney. And they have one there, not as his attorney representing him, but only as a babysitter. If he should fall off the stool, he'll help him back up. Or he'll walk up to the judge when they have, um, you know, approach the bench type meeting, and um, and he was going to be his advisory on the law, not so much the rules or anything, as I understand it. So, but but basically, he had no attorney. And they convicted him. He went to court in the morning. They went through the picking of a jury. They had the trial. It went to the jury. The jury came back before 5 o'clock, I guess, that evening, and the man was convicted on all seven accounts. And the jury recommended 1.5 years on each account. And, and Travis goes back to work uh, goes back to court for sentencing on Friday, as I understand it. We'd like to see if he can get it postponed. And that now, Dave wants to add some things to this. This was basically going to be my introduction to the call with David on there, because Dave, David had a lot more to say about it. But you know, if you haven't. Watch the video regarding state, uh, excuse me, excuse me, never mind. He's going to do a video. I'm I'm looking at his YouTube here, and I and I got lost on this guy that did get liens and levies released in Boston. And uh, thank God for him, man. And uh, But anyhow, uh, there, there, will be, uh, there will be some things that, that are coming. Um, where uh, about this case in Kentucky, where uh, um, which I can't really, I don't want to say too much more about it with that said. However, now this is my thing. Tomorrow with Noble 8, we're, 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 I'm, I'm looking for a, a, uh, a call tomorrow that is going to be announcing we're going to be signing people up again. Now, I'm not going to go through the the itinerary of what has been happening with it. There's been some major problems with the developers, but all that's been rectified. I will tell you they got a developer now has done more in two weeks than the other developer has done in four months. And that's a good thing. This guy is on the calls every, every every single day, screen sharing, showing what he's getting done. It's kind of check as we go with the owners of Noble 8. 
and uh, and they couldn't be more pleased. They couldn't be more satisfied with what's going on. Because this is my goal, folks. I want to see as many, I want to get as many people coming in with me uh, uh, in Noble 8. And un- understand, I already have 1,600 people that are joining us. 1,600. I can't believe, I never had any uh, business that I had 1,600 people jump on board with me. And the reason they're jumping on board, because many of them don't even know me, don't even know what I'm talking about, okay? They, they're they not 1,600 people that I personally enrolled. But about 45 of those people that I did personally enroll are sharing a dream with me. They're sharing a dream with me that when somebody like Travis West is getting, you know, falsely uh, crucified, as you will, as I guess you could say it, in state court or federal court, we got some plans that that we can put into uh, action where hopefully we can change things around. But with that being said, money solves all problems. That's biblical, by the way, okay? You know, you, you you know, money won't buy you happiness, but I I dare you to be happy without without money. Okay, um, you know, this way, you know, I could have gone with many other people. We could have gone to Kentucky. We could have, you know, gotten a uh, a place, uh, you know, rent a house for a couple weeks or rent a a big apartment for a couple weeks or something. And, and and we could have helped help Travis, and and definitely we could have helped him months before he even went to court, like putting out mailers in 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 the, you know in in the county about Section eighty three, sending books out and everything, um, because the public is ignorant; they don't know. And until they know, or at least we can put some doubt in their minds, then the jury can only come back with reasonable doubt. But then again, we could fill up the courtrooms, write affidavits, affidavits, how the prosecutor and how the judge is violating and depriving this individual, this Kentuckian, of his rights. I'm not even going to call them a U.S. citizen, okay? Because they can't define what a U.S. citizen is. Like it was in in Jim Walden's case in Texas. Jim Walden did a uh, did a uh, uh, oh uh, a thing, you know, asking them a uh, you know, am I the same citizen mentioned in 3121E, 1402B, 3306J, as mentioned in CFR 1.1? And um, and the government, that's a, simple, that's a simple answer, yes or no. But they can't answer it. Because if you look up the definitions in 3121E, and and 1402B and 3306J, you'll find out it's not 
a citizen of the United States of the several states. It's, if, if you're a citizen of Puerto Rico and not otherwise a citizen of the United States, well, that's not me. Okay? And so they, you know, and, and at best, in, in 26 CFR, the Code of Federal Regulations, 1.1-1, you know, if you're born or naturalized in the, you know, uh, in the United States, you're subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Okay, so that's regulations. So the regulations and statute, what what governs law? The statutes. So there, the statute does not match the regulation. So they can't answer yes. And, of course, they can't answer no. So what do they do? They get a protection order. This is how good Dave Maryland stuff is. This is why everybody should join the criminal complaint. It's only $250 in donations to join, and it will help protect you from getting criminally indicted. Now, you might ask, well, did Travis, uh, you know, Travis was getting criminally indicted when, when he contacted us before he even knew what a, a you know, criminal complaint was. And uh, so, and then when you watch this, uh, oh, here's, here, here's another farce. I, I can't believe it's even happening. Uh, the man's wife went down to the court and wanted to get a transcript. We don't do transcripts anymore. We'll give you a video. Oh, really? You're going to give me a video? How am I going to use this in appeals court? I mean, you know, this is ridiculous what this uh, what this country is getting to. But anyhow, we the people need to take and stand up. In Article 5 of the Constitution, it, you know, we, we could be a part of a moving party that I'm getting in, on, in contact with that is going to be, that is very, uh, that's, kind of somewhat interested in what I'm talking about with Noble 8. But it, it is uh, an ex-senator from Oklahoma and another guy, his name escapes me right now, but um, they they want to have state conventions regarding the Constitution and amendments to to do certain great things about what our founding fathers wanted, and they want to implement it into amendments to make it clear, absolutely clear. And and, and another thing, if you were to write the um, a Library of Congress, uh, not the Library of Congress, but the printing office, and ask for a copy of the Constitution, it'll cost you 300 and some dollars, and you get this humongous book on the Constitution. Well, the Constitution's only four or five pages. What has it got to be a whole book of 300 or, or whatever amount of pages it is? It's, it's about an inch thick because it has all kinds of court cases and Supreme Court cases how they want to determine <coughs> what is meant by the rights of the people shall not be infringed. I mean, how, you know, what do you need a court case to understand that for? So anyhow, 
there is a lot of good things that are that are coming, but for those who wait, um, you know, are going to get left behind. So we need to get we need to get together. We need to come together and unite on the things that we can agree with to fight. And one of them is for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, just as our Declaration of Independence. That, you know, that came before the Constitution. That is the number one document in the, in the uh, statutes at large, the Declaration of Independence. The, that was in 1776, and the Constitution didn't come two years later. Okay, so you know my rights are unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And again, the Supreme Court cases that support that property, which is the pursuit of happiness is um, is the most viable product or property that a man has. Everything, everything comes from labor, service. Hey, show me how you can provide a service without labor. Can't do it. Okay. So when the IRS says, well, you didn't pay anything for your labor, so you, you know, you make clear profit on it. Bull crap. Okay? That's a service. When I work for somebody, I don't care if it's for a dollar an hour or a thousand dollars a week. When I work for for an hour, I'm providing a service. And that service when it's in the when when in connection with the performance of service, property is transferred to any person other than the person who such services are performed in the excess over in the excess over the amount paid for such property shall be included in gross income. What is gross income? Gross income is taxable in, taxable income minus the deductions, right? So if I didn't make any gross income, then I have nothing to, to you know, I can't even begin to do the 1040. And I certainly can't sign the 1040 under the penalties of perjury. I mean, it's really simple. We got to stay on point. Unfortunately, there's people out there, such as Travis, uh, that did a lot of this uh, oh, reservation of revocation or so, yeah, something of revocation thing from like Weiss Paris and all that, and none of it worked, guys. I mean. You know, these guys are selling this stuff. It's just not working. And sometimes by the time they get to David, David, you know, we try. We, I mean, God, that, that man puts his heart into it. As rough and tough as he, as he is, and, and, and uh, some people say, well, he's arrogant. Well, man, let me tell you something. That man knows what he's talking about, 
and he just doesn't like to be uh, t- somebody telling him he's barking up a wrong tree or, you know, or the guy's <coughs> some lunatic. Excuse me, I'll be right back. So anyhow, I do want to say that, and um, I think my throat's getting out, and I said I wouldn't talk so long, but I guess when I get rolling, I get rolling. With that said, I want to know if there's any uh, comments or questions. Um, has any? Okay, there's a question right here. Um anyone else using IE? Okay. I guess that's Internet Explorer. But, okay, there's a question here. I don't know when it started or what part. Let's see. Uh, I'm hearing nothing, chap. Well, I'm uh, the show going up on the chat board. Yes, try rebooting the browser. Federal citizen, question mark. Uh, is anyone else using IE? Uh, yes, TA. Uh, let me reboot technology right on. T, T darling, okay. Has anyone asked their employer they're holding when the law is written by Congress says non-resident aliens, foreign corporations. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I you know I don't know how to answer that, and I suppose they they probably have, or you know, there's all kinds of things out there. Um, I I don't know how to answer that. Um, I kind of go back, you know, when I used to work with people, I used to, I had a document that I would show them how the Social Security got started, and I gave them the documents all the way back to 1934 or whenever it started, 36 or whatever. And uh, and then I show them, the, you know, Statute 42, uh, Title 42, where it shows uh, who, who is to have a social security number, and it does not list a citizen of the several states. Okay, and um, so <clears throat> uh, you know, and and I used to ed- educate the employers, but I was in a different position. I was, and I was a 1099 for one. I didn't give them my social security number for two. And for three, I would educate them and promise them that I would protect them if, if the IRS came, which I did. And and lastly, I was more viable to them than they were to me. I didn't have a problem getting a job because I I grew up in the swimming pool business and I knew what I was talking about. Yes, I did once. My boss said my jobs rule required me to check employee 
because my job was an employee required to pay taxes. See, and that's what you go through with these employers. You can't, you can't, you can't put many of these employers in a position where they're going to have to argue with the IRS. And if you're, you know, it all depends on your skills on how they want to listen to you or not. <coughs> so, and. Give me a minute. I got a cough again. Okay. So anyhow, is um, all I meant. So anyhow. Um, Uh, with that being said, is there any other comments or statements? Does anybody raise their hand? No, I don't see anybody raising their hand. Okay, with that being said, folks, I'm going to call this the evening. Uh, sorry to hear about Kentucky. Yeah, 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 TD, I know you know him too. Yeah, it's it's a it's a sad event, and um, no attorney, no attorney, and they run the guy through criminal law and just deprivation of rights big time. It ain't over, folks. It ain't over because, um, well, I'm not going to talk about it. It just ain't over. It ain't over till it's over. Um, this guy was a peaceful, loving man and got kids, he's got a family, and now he's facing, what, 10 years or more? It just ain't right. It's just not right. So, anyhow, um, uh, it is what it is. Okay, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and end this call. Uh, God bless America, and this call is, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, I got somebody, want, oh, that's my hand raised. How can my hand be raised? I'm talking. All right, anyhow, God bless America, and this call is, oh, hold on, hold on, somebody's hand raised, okay. I do want to give everybody a shot. Okay, you got something to say there. Uh... Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah, I can hear you. Hey, Chris. This is Darren. Long time. <laughs> hey, how you doing, man? Good, good. Yeah, that was kind of a question that I had is like if you're, let's say, starting a new uh, em employment with an employer, typically they want you to sign a lot of those IRS forms whether it's a W-2, W-9, W-4, whatever, typically what's the, what's probably the proper process of uh, doing that without doing something wrong? Well, I can, because you know, if you, 
if you want to give me a call tomorrow, I can sure. go in more detail with you. Yeah, that'd be that'd be yeah. fine. You know, also too, uh, the Social Security Administration has publication number zero five dash one zero zero nine six that specifically says it says unless you are a non-citizen who wants to work in the United States, you probably don't need a Social Security number. It says it right in their publication. Now you could use that term non-citizen is where a lot of people uh, say that they're a national of a state. That doesn't make you a citizen. Yeah, see, the problem is, uh, here, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit now, I guess. It might throw feels better. The problem is, I used to have, a doc, like I said, I had a document that showed the, uh, uh, what the, uh, I forget the uh, something employers, blah, blah, blahs, uh, where the you know Taco Bell guy uh, didn't have a social security number and and all that, and it was going around that he sued Taco Bell for a million, but that's not true. He he was going to, and and it was up it was up to talk about, but that never had to happen. But since then, Taco Bell. If you go to Taco Bell, at least it was for about twenty years. If you went to Taco Bell and uh, got an application, you know, where it says Social Security number, in parentheses, it said optional from that time. And, uh, and then I used to give them the, the Privacy Act uh, law, and then I would do an affidavit for the employer to send to the IRS. And 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 the and the affidavit basically said, I you know uh, Joe employer gave uh, you know uh, asked for the social security number of this individual and they put my name there and and he and he refused to give it to me based on these documents and and he would sign it and I said now send this in. And that will alleviate was then a fifty dollar fine. Today is seventy five dollars. If 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 you don't, you know, he has to ask for a social security number. And and a lot of employers will be comfortable with that. But in right, many kind of instances, harmless. go ahead. That that affidavit would be like a whole harmless. That that they yeah. wouldn't hold the employer harm harmful or or liable. Right, and it was pursuant to the regulations. See, right, and um, and so, and a lot of employers would do it, but then some people. I it never happened to me, but some people, uh, the IRS says, you know, take all of his money, you know, take take as if he wasn't married, you know, out. And the employer would jump right on it, and uh, and then the uh, the employee, uh, I hate to call him an employee, uh, the worker would uh, would be very dis- disgruntled that they're taking so much money out, and then there was nothing he could do about it. But many people worked without giving a social security number, and some were even not bothered. 
But, you know, those numbers were few. See, it's, 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 it's almost like you're in a big field of a thousand uh, buffaloes and you're the buffalo and you're a buffalo. You know, which buffalo is going to be eaten today? So um, it's just um, you never know. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, but I've, I kind of understand what that one guy said that he did. You know, it was very interesting um, where he talks about uh, uh, what what did he say that he do that he did a uh, uh, what did he what did that guy do from Tennessee? What did you say that he did that didn't work? Oh, the the uh, uh, revocation deal. Right. Well, you know, it was interesting, and I got this really back directly is that I did a lot of inquiries even on even on the birth certificate. And I even had an attorney for where I was born basically come back to me and say, you don't own any of the records. And I said, well, if I don't own any of the records, what good is that certificate to me if I don't have a beneficial interest in it per se? Right. But, it, but there was something that was very interesting that was said back in – I think it was 2001 from the Federal Judiciary Center where they were doing a training show on UCC9 and bankruptcy. And what they were talking about was uh, they were talking about that the proper uh, registered organization has to use the name that's on file, the one that's filed into the public records. And they went on in talking about the proper, they kept calling it a registered organization. And then, and of course, you had like the chief judge of Massachusetts, you had uh, the federal judge Bruce Martell from Nevada, I think bankruptcy division, actually come in and say, yeah, that's when the state records the birth certificate. I almost fell through the floor when he said that. And then I looked it up under the IRS code, and that's, Actually, in my opinion, that's, what's, that's what that certificate represents. It represents an unincorporated, uh, a registered unincorporated organization. Well, yeah, because, you know, when, uh, when you look up in that, uh, that, uh, the manual, the government's manual, uh, it says, you know, I, I used to remember it like 3-7 three, three or something where um, uh, an associate, a, uh, a name is spelled in all caps if it's, um, if it's an association or, or a corporation. Yeah, well, yeah, but a person's name, but I, that argument has got killed, has been turned down in numerous cases by the by the courts and people use that all cap argument. I don't think that that matters much, but even the name itself is where is the way that I've seen it is that what they've done is that they've created a registered organization that you operate through. It's kind of like like if you were a captain of a but ship. But it'd be your name though, right? It'd be your name. Well, I mean, you can go back. I found clear back 1275 in the Wakefield court records, the medieval records that even the English courts said that you were basically recognized by your single given Christian name. 
and all other names added to it, they can be dis- discarded. I mean, there's, yeah. even, there's even additional case law on that. But what I'm saying is that is, is that particular name, because the thing is, you've got to consider they created that title. Your parents didn't create that title. They did, because that's a requirement under state statute that a registrar has to create that certificate. It doesn't mean that the parents have to. It says that the, the registrar does. So he has to do that. So the question is, is that really you or is that, you know, whether it's your name or not? That's kind of a, a, a very gray area. And I think that you can really argue that point, in my opinion. I think it's an argument, uh, it's a legal argument that you can uh, muster up to say, well, how do you know that that's actually my name? Do you, is there any evidence? Because I petitioned to get as, even the application for a birth certificate, and they wouldn't give me anything. They said, you don't own these records. Okay, well, if I don't own them, then there's no need for me to use that name at all. So actually what I did, I went to an ecclesiastical tribunal, and I did a special name change, not a general one. Because typically with a general name change, everything carries over to, to the new name that you, that you decide. With a special name change, everything stopped. And the new name is totally different from that. And that one doesn't have a social security number or have any contracts with the government. And you, know, and you know where that's actually, where you can even tie that in biblically? That's where it uh, talks about in the book of Revelation where you get a new, new, new name, a new white stone. And you see, you got they, even that, the, the white stone represents clear from Rome was known as a tesserer. And what they did, the Roman government used to give these white stones that were identification, where a person, where it identified the status of a person, whether they were citizen or not, and it also entitled them to state benefits. And it was also a passport. Now, if you think about it, with the Social Security, you, the, there's two forms that, that you have to have in order to get a Social Security account, and that's a birth certificate and the SS5 form. So I uh, guess kind of what. Go ahead. Yeah, well, what I'm just saying is that uh, uh, the question is: is is that name? Is that really? Is that really you, or did they just create this that you can operate through commerce? Yeah, and and um, and you know, you know, I don't have a res- I don't have a response to that because I don't. I, I need to you know know more about about it, but uh, but I do want to bring something else up. Uh, I don't know if, and get your opinion on this. Is uh, are are you seeing my screen? Uh, no, I, no, I'm not. I'm not. I just I just dialed in. That's all. Oh, okay. I have on the screen. You know, when you see a when you see a, a lean. The lien is, uh, it always says, what tax is the lien about? Right. It, it says the type of lien is a 1040 tax. And people just run to assume, well, that's a 1040 form. And it isn't. It, it's actually a transfer of certain farm, et cetera, 
comma real property and and so and it starts off with a if an executor of the estate of any descendant transfers to a qualified heir within the meaning of section 23a and all that any property with respect to which the election was made under 2032a then gain of such transfer shall be recognized as the estate only to the extent that on the date of such transfer, the fair market value of such property exceeds the value of such property. And, you know, it just goes on to blah, 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 blah. But I would, I would submit that people study this because uh, <coughs> the executor, uh, now, who's the executor? The executor is over a descendant, okay? Somebody had to die. Well, who made me right. the executor? Uh, right. You know, there's so many there's so many ways to attack this. It gets crazy. Um, right. Then when you open, then when you open up twenty three, uh, two thirty. Uh, do I have that now? Yeah, two two thirty a. Uh, wait a minute. I I I might have screwed up here. Let let me go back here. Yeah. E one. Yeah. E A. E one. Yeah. Qualify heir. The term qualify heir means with respect to any property, a member of the decedent family who acquired such property or to whom such property passed from the descendant. If a qualified heir disposes of any interest in qualified real property to any member of his family, such member shall thereafter be treated as a qualified heir with respect to such interests. And so, you know, it, you know, so whom, you know, if so type of tax, Look up the definition of type, and and you can see that I submit that this that the tax lien is pointing towards Title Twenty Six U.S.C. Section Ten Forty. But then again, you got to go back. You know, I, I like to always go back to Dave's arguments and positions because those are things you can really hammer and argue. And and the and the government cannot answer. They run from having the answer. And if and if 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 enough people do it early enough, you don't you don't need to get into you know the fifty ways to uh, to beat a dead horse. And um, uh, but on what citing? So, what are those parties? I mean, you have different parties that you were mentioning. But who exactly are the parties? In other words, who's the descendant? Who's the executor? What property are they referring to? You know, there's a lot of questions to that. Well, property is, you know, is any, it, it says to any property. Any property means all property. It means your money. It means your tractor. It means your horse. It means your wife, your children, everything. Okay. Well, you know the so, the best def, the best definition 
of uh, property, if you read uh, Gibson section 56 on the treatise uh, of suits and chancery, here's what he d defined it. And this was a, was a judge. It took him 10 years to write that book. It said the term property as used in this section includes everything that is subject of exclusive individual ownership, or it is to be more specific and includes not only land, houses, goods, and chattels, rights and credits, but also a man's person, his wife, his minor children, his right to work, and to sell and acquire property and to engage in a lawful business and his and their reputation, health and capacity to labor, and his and their right to enjoy the senses of sight, smell, hearing, and taste, and their right of speech and locomotion, and their right to enjoy the sense of morale, propriety, when normal. That's been about that the best definition. That covers it pretty darn good, doesn't it? And it talked about everything. It, it talked about... Yeah. Right. Yeah. Every, it, there's, there's nothing that is not derived from labor. There is, and everything is property. The, the situation is who owns the particular specific property. So, and, and that's, where, uh, that's where it can really get um, really narrowing down to uh, good stuff. Anyhow, I do want to end the call, though, Darren. It was great to, okay. to have you on. I'll give you a call uh, when, this when week. Yeah, when it comes to equity law, there's nobody I know better than Darren that know, knows about that stuff. Anyhow, with that being said, let me see if there's any more just any more questions. Uh, let me look in the chat. Uh, <laughs> Did anyone write down the Social Security number reference he made earlier, something like 05? Darren, can you go ahead and say that again, slowly? On on what, sir? On what, Chris? Uh, did anyone write down the Social Security number reference he made earlier, something like 05? Oh, um, I don't know. Oh, I think he was talking about the Social Security publication number. That, yeah, that they he was. Yeah, matter of fact, I'll send you a copy of it. Uh, but that was Social Security publication number 05-10096. And that was issued in June 2015, so it was pretty recent. Oh, cool. And what it basically talked what it basically talked about was in in the first paragraph on it says, does a non-citizen need a social security number? And it says, basically it says social security numbers are used to report a person's wages to the government to determine a person's eligibility for social security benefits. You need a social security number to work, collect social security benefits and received other government services. Lawfully admitted non-citizens can get many benefits and services without a social security number and it goes on and it says uh, uh, although many companies such as banks and credit companies may ask you for a social security number which you generally aren't required to provide one if you don't have one 
See, and that's the big key. You could say, oh, I don't have one. You know, and you can use, just in my opinion, you can actually use the religious belief argument on, on it. Absolutely. And, and especially more these days than, than even 10, 10 years ago. But you said something, it sparked uh, something I wanted to say, and I didn't want to interrupt you. And what was it? Um, Social Security number. Um, oh, everybody, go ahead and write the Social Security office. You can look it up on the Internet. They're in Maryland. Go ahead and write them and say, um, can you provide me the law that my being an American that I have to have a social security number, or well, what statue um, uh, what's, uh, what's, uh, is there a, let's see, please provide the statue that requires me to have a social security number, or, or mandates me having a social security number. And the Social Security will write back to you and say that you don't need a Social Security number to work and live in the United States. The Social Security is very open. They'll tell you. Now, the second paragraph will say, although the IRS may require it, you know, to keep a track of your records. Well, I don't want them to keep a track of my records. I've gotten right. two letters over the years. I did one years and years ago, and then I did one about eight years ago, and um, and came back with the same same exact reply. And I and I also showed that to my uh, to people I work with. I said, "Here, Social Security themselves say I don't need a Social Security number," because that's what. You know, that you wanted to know if I'm going to be paying Social Security number. No, I'm not. I did my 10 years. I paid. They, well, you know, the thing required... is... Go ahead. Oh, well, I, there was a, there's another thing, because I know that always comes up under the, the U.S. citizen argument, but if you really do some uh, some research on jurisdiction there are numerous cases that that even talk about it's that it's it's citizenship that can that confers jurisdiction it's not residence domicile or inhabitry is sufficient to confer jurisdiction that's united states versus uh devoe that was 1809 there was also the stegliger versus mcquinton 1905, it's citizenship that confers jurisdiction and not a party's residence or domicile. There's also uh, Hazel v. Bailey that it is citizenship and not the residence of a party that confers jurisdiction. And there's also Sharon v. Hill that says a party does not become a citizen of a state against his will. And I guess you could use that same argument for the United States. And it's also that citizenship and... Uh, nationality are not convertible terms. That's in Miller v. Albright, which was a 1998 case. 
Um, so a lot of it is, is based on citizenship, too, as far as jurisdiction. And I yeah. think once you see yeah. the thing I've spoken, I've spoken to Mark Stevens, and I, I'm sure you know uh, his book on adventures in legal land. And he's yeah. won numerous cases all over the world. And there's something regarding that, uh, because that's what his his primary is, is basically attacking jurisdiction. Because what the courts normally operate under is what's known as the presumption of jurisdiction, which falls under the science of law. In other words, it's known as the theoretical application of law that, that doesn't require supported evidence to prove jurisdiction. It's presumed. That's why when people do special appearances, and just like there's numerous federal cases, it says once jurisdiction is challenged, it has to appear on the record. And in other words, they're going to have some kind of proof that they have jurisdiction over you, which... And, and the courts never prove it, though. Well, the, here's the thing. Theoretical application of law is strictly opposed to the practical application of law that mandates jurisdiction be supported by evidence on the record. And case law is not evidence of jurisdiction, and need and demanding uh, the burden of proof of jurisdiction is not an argumental argu argument plea. Just like even what even Gibson said in Section 62A or 62.1, it says it doesn't it doesn't appear what doesn't appear on the record and what does not exist in fact is one and the same at law. The courts can act upon nothing that does not duly appear in the record. So it has to be on the record. And there's also a maxim that supports that, that says a fact not appearing is presumed not to exist. Okay, so with that said, so with that said right there, by my demanding they show jurisdiction, they, they don't have to show it. I literally have to prove that I am not a citizen of the United States. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I'm saying they have to prove it. They have to show. That's why a lot of times when you and you see Wait these a minute. cases, they have, to, they have to show what, Darren? They have to prove that you are a citizen of the United States. You can't prove a negative. But they never they do. Have, but they never do prove it. I know, but that's what it requires once jurisdiction is challenged. It has to appear on the record. You're saying I'm a U.S. citizen? Okay, I'm saying I'm not. I got a sworn affidavit. What do you got? And that's okay, why a lot of people, like I've seen now, what they've done, is they'll pull up an old voter registration or a driver's license application where someone has written in that they're a U.S. citizen. Right, and 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 that's because when I had when I had um, Agent Solar, a, a CID agent, on the witness stand during. Um, during my uh, uh, grand jury deal, uh, I, I, I said, what evidence, what facts or evidence are you relying on that, that I'm a taxpayer? And he says, well, you pay property tax, don't you? And he said, you got a driver's license, you know? And it just, it hit me right there. That was, that was evidence enough that I need I need something to prove that I am not a citizen of the United States, even if I do have a driver's license, even if I do property tax. Yeah, so but here's another. Do, 
Go ahead. There's another thing. Okay, if you have a map, let's say, of North America, and you tell somebody, here, point to the United States. They'll point right to the middle of the United States. So let's say it says Oklahoma, okay, which is like the middle of the uh-huh. country. Okay, is that where you were born? No, no you were born in a different state. Same like with right. me. They would have to point directly to New York because you have to be a citizen of the state first before you're a citizen of the United States. But remember, everything is is also based on consent. It's based on consent. Uh, You see, because actually, if you go back to actually the the Calvin case of 1608 that uh, Blackstone wrote in his commentaries, what he was saying was that birthright citizenship was an inheritance of the feudal system between the Lord and the vassal. In other words, once someone was born within the king's dominion upon birth, then that's it. And that is equivalent to the 14th Amendment, Section 1. Okay? Now, only under the term national is the only term that includes any kind of concept to allegiance, uh, which is under 8 U.S.C. 1101-122B, but remember the term state that we're, if, if you say, well, I'm a national of the state of New York or Florida or whatever, because that is listed, that's listed in the statutes at large, volume 66, section 101, 1A, and then it's codified under 8 U.S.C. 11101A21, and it's also in 3C Amjur 2732-37, because what it's saying was that the term allegiance to a state, the way that it was used, was that it was not due Congress, but to the people, which is basically your, your brother's keeper, your, you, to love your neighbor like yourself. That's a biblical uh, um, uh, contention, because that was actually listed in the 31st Annals of Congress, 1818. You see, because if you you understand this, and you talked about before with the Declaration of Independence, is that um, it's actually the entering into a into a specific political society. Because if you read what Samuel Adams wrote in the Rights of the Colonists in 1772. He said, when a man or woman enters a particular society of their voluntary consent and has the right to remain in that state of nature as long as they please, but in case of civil or religious oppression, having the right to leave that society and enter another, you see? And it also went on to say is that the right to freedom is being a gift from God Almighty, not the power of man, to alienate this gift and voluntarily become a slave. And you see, what what the United States has pretty much done is that they have terminated everybody's true nationality, which is the state that they were particularly born in. It'd be like if they took the Europeans and they said, no, you're not born in Italy, you're not born in Spain, everybody's uh, an EU citizen. That's exactly what the United States did by making it a national citizenship and not being from the state in which you were. I mean, you can get into even the terminology of, well, what is a citizen? Well, the, the term citizen, if you read Black Law 6, says uh, a member of a political community that has submitted himself to the dominion of government. 
Now, because of the term citizen uh, denotes a government lienable privilege, not a right of a common membership, where it's a reference to political rights, by calling oneself as a citizen, it really establishes a tacit agreement and a reciprocal obligation, and one agrees to be placed under the laws of a particular government or society. But you got and then you, what you got to look at is that even the U.S. Supreme Court said in uh, uh, Loria v. U.S. and U.S. v. Polson is that citizenship is a membership into a political society, implying a duty of allegiance on a part of a member. The funny thing is, nowhere in the Bible does it say you owe an allegiance to a country. There is nothing in there, and I can show you the scriptures. I've already done the the research in there, okay? Now, let me throw something else at you because, and, and I know, because I, I, know, I know you read your, your, your Bible like I do, uh, uh, Chris. If you look up uh, where, um, when Moses brought the Egyptians out of the Egyptian government, and that was in, I think, Deuteronomy 1716, he led the Israelites out and away from the Egypt's government because it was evil and it disobeyed God's laws. But what he, uh, God commanded is that said, you shall never return again. Okay. And that's why even the prophet Samuel forewarned against being placed under any kind of rule as such. The biggest thing that, and even the church is very ignorant to this fact, is that the first commandment says, thou shalt not worship any other gods uh, except me. That term God is translated from the Hebrew text. It means ruler. It means uh, judge. It also means magistrate. Okay? So uh, Anybody you bow down to, basically. Well, this is why he said, he says, don't do this, because if you want to, the, the, the people of Israel said, well, we want, to, we want a king so we can be like other nations. And he said, don't do this, because it, then he says, because when you do this, the king is going to take this, 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 for Samuel 8. And then when you tell God you want the king removed, God's going to turn his face away. And this is why... Uh, he even said, go cry to the gods which you have chosen and let them deliver you from the time of your tribulation, Judges 10, 14, which even King David said the same thing in Psalm 69, 22, let the bountiful table set before them become a snare. What, I was trying, what I'm trying to get at is that you've got to understand back, even back then in, in the Roman time, Caesar was considered a god. It was a corporate soul, just like a president, a king, a queen. Those were corporate souls. And a lot, when one died, they were replaced, but they were still Caesar, okay? Now, what Caesar did, he had the authority, he had the authority to appoint other rulers in different jurisdictions, just like Pontius Pilate. He was the governor of Judea. Governor means chief magistrate. And that was even when the states were formed. That's what governor meant. Now, the thing is, is, is that if you really want to read something very good, is that if you look at the difference between the trials between uh, Jesus and Paul, when they wanted Paul to go back to 
of uh, Israel because they said, oh, you're preaching against the law and everything. And what Paul did, where Paul messed up, he says, I appeal to Caesar. So he went, he went to an earthly ruler instead of what Jesus did when Pilate says, don't you know I have the authority to crucify you or set you free? He says, you have no authority over me unless it be given you from above. Right then, Pilate knew that his authority only came from Caesar. It didn't come from God. That's why when he washed his hands, he was basically saying, case dismissed with prejudice. He knew he had no jurisdiction. You see, but it was that citizenship that really that that actually cost Paul his life when he got beheaded uh, by Caesar. So just yeah. to give you an idea, but also too, just to give you uh, another idea, when I was talking about gods, I was going to go somewhere with this. If you look at, if you could read, you could look this up online. It's under the Federal Capitol Dome building. They have the painting of the Apotheos of George Washington. He was deified as a god. Okay? And that's even in Elks v. Wilkins where they wanted the Indians to call the president the great father. And remember what Jesus says, call no man father? Because father, what that meant, translated, it meant constricted patre or constricted father. That's where the people were getting the benefits from government. So it's when you're getting the, these benefits from government, any benefit, whether it's a privilege, a license, whatever, you are putting yourself in, back into bondage. And this is what he was saying, don't do that, because you've got to understand, when Christ came and he formed his church, his government, which was a uh, theocracy, he was basically saying, we work on faith, love, and charity, free will offerings. No man was above any other man. And basically what they did is for centuries, the church was basically the welfare system of the community. But that's all changed now. Now what happens, people go to the government, and what that does, that subjects them to all that jurisdiction because they're receiving those benefits, just like what the Jews did in Egypt, because Egypt provided them housing, provided them food, provided them protection, and what they have to pay Egypt? 20 tallies of bricks every day. That was their taxes. Yeah. Wow, that was a lot of information. I'm getting e emails saying, man, this guy's talking too fast. I don't, where's he going with all this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I just want to show you the actually the where it's really transpired from. This is nothing new. This has happened since the days of new. Yeah, I know it this, isn't. Yeah. This is a new. It's just no, a different form of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but but getting but getting back to something is more. You know. You know. Well, that's a lot to to digest. And and so forth, and and we're on the same highway, but just different lanes. And right. um, yeah, I like to keep it more simple, and uh, you know, so forth. But I do want to get back to something. There's a court sure. case. Uh, there's a court case that is. Um, 
says Americans who are not citizens of the United States are not liable to the income tax. And the court case that supports this, it says, unless the defendant, see, this is where I'm going. You said that, you know, the court has to prove that you're a citizen of the United States. And and, and they can take silent judicial notice because you have a driver's license, because you have a, you pay property tax or this or that, or you fill out some form, you know, check here, I'm a U.S. citizen, like like your uh, bank draft card and all that. So what what you got to do is, is you got to have it on the record. If you're going to use the citizenship deal, um, you got to have it on the record according to this court case. Unless the defendant can establish that he is not a citizen of the United States, the IRS poses authority. <laughs> Hold on. That's U.S. v. Slater, isn't it? Establish. Hold on. Unless the defendant can establish he's not a citizen of the United States, the IRS poses authority to attempt to determine his federal tax liability. That's U.S. versus Slater, D. Delaware, right, right. yeah, five four five F supplement of right. nineteen eighty-two. So what you do is, you know, the IRS code is the only place you can go to find out what a definition of a state is. And the IRS will poo-poo the idea that, you know, the state is only the District of Columbia. However, if you go ahead and write to the secretary, I always write to the secretary of the commissioner. I don't bother with the peon because they're the ones that are working right under the president of the United States. The secretary is appointed by the, by the president, and the commissioner is appointed by the president and, you know, and agreed upon by the, well, so is the secretary, agreed upon by Congress. So you write them, and 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 I go through a little exchange with them that you know when we in the 1954 code I think it was um, it it showed that uh, well hold on a second let me get my notes here hold on let me get my notes it showed that the definition of state was. Okay. Um, Guam, Puerto Rico. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah. The term, uh, the uh, the term United States, the term state, shall be construed to include the District of Columbia. Um, but that's not what I'm looking for. What am I looking for? Tell me, and we both know. Oh, here it is. The definition of state is otherwise distinctly expressed. No, that's 3121E. Excuse me, folks. I should have had my notes. I mean, it's not like Darren didn't give me enough time. Um, 
Is it Title 28 or 26? Well, basically what I'm trying to say that in, you know, in 1959 is when Alaska and Hawaii were admitted into the uh, United States. And prior to that, the, the, the code, uh, the 1954 code gave the definition of, of state uh, being the District of Columbia, the uh, territory of Hawaii, and the territory of Alaska. When the first one came into the state, and for the pursuant to this conversation, let's just say it was Alaska. I don't know which was first or second, but let's just say it was Alaska. Well, they immediately changed the definition to say uh, that, you know, the state includes or the term state includes the District of Columbia and the territory of Hawaii because Alaska was admitted into the state. Then several months later, Hawaii came a part of the United States. Then they instantly ran and showed that the 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 term state includes the District of Columbia, period, okay? So you can't say that it includes Florida, New York, Mississippi, and so forth, because when, when and, 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 and this is, by the way, in David's uh, criminal complaint in the memorandum of law, because when they, you, you can't say Florida is 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 defined as a state in the internal revenue code because when when Alaska and Hawaii were admitted into the several states as, as the same footholding as the original 13 independent states which are now 50 how how do you assume that Florida is a state of the United States. It isn't, okay? And uh, so the United States is in the District of Columbia. That's a corporation. The United States is, you know, collective, you know, as you find in Black's Law Dictionary, you know, it shows that, you know, it gives you the, the three things. So you can prove, you can have it on the record that you gave the secretary a chance to dispute that you're, you live in Florida and is not in the definition of 7701, you know, uh, parent 9 or 10 or whatever it is. <coughs> so you can prove right there on the record you're not a citizen <coughs> of the United States. That's all <laughs> really I have to say, but I do got to hang up. Hey, do you know do you, one thing, Chris, go? If you can, if you could. Uh... What's that? Oh, do you know the, the term that they normally use, especially where you'll see it, you'll see it in a lot of the statutes that talks about you know the different uh, statuses, but it uses as the term uh, a natural person or natural man. I think it's natural yeah. person they normally use. But natural do you know person, that does? Yeah. Do you, do you know that that does not apply to a Christian? 
that does that, not apply that, to. If you go into the Random House Dictionary of the English Language, it clearly defines that as one who is not born again. It means that it's one who is unenlightened, unre unregenerate, uh, unrepentant, an unrepentant sinner. Uh, Ooh, which a also natural person? Right. Yep. Oh, it says not convinced or perverted by a particular wicked, sinful, desolate. And also the term human being is defined as a natural man, unenlightened or unregenerate, which also, you got to understand even where that term came from, human being was a term that came from Pope Innocent IV in the 14th century by a papal decree. And basically what he did, he separated a person uh, where he wasn't under the law of free men, but under the laws of property, which also they use the term monster. And that's also where the term uh, humanism comes from, uh, philanthropist, uh, which is a, a rejection of Christ's divinity and a rejection of the belief in God. That's where that comes from. That's where that term natural person comes from. Oh. And you okay. get throughout the stats, you know, so that was just something I just wanted to share with you. All right. Uh, okay, very good. Well, let me see. I got um, I got somebody says get this guy's number and give him mine. Uh, let me see if he's on the call. What? Uh oh. What do I do with my? Where are you? Okay, there you go. Um, is, uh, hold on. Uh, do you mind if uh, when people want your phone number and e email, I give it out to them? Well, I'll call them. Why don't you just send me their their name and number? Okay. Or you give it to me. Um, I, I, I will. Uh, I'll give you a call uh, tomorrow, Chris, and we'll talk. I, very good. Um, I don't know who was talking about because I don't see him on on the call here but that doesn't mean he's probably on the telephone or something okay anyhow uh, alright with that said God bless America and this call is officially over how's that for a quick ending good night good night Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.